With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. Your annual edition in Ann Thompson's room at the Cannes Film Festival. I'm Eric Cohn, the deputy editor and chief critic. And Ann and I are just a couple of days into Cannes. We're already exhausted and our heads are swimming with all these different kinds of movies. But so far, so good. We've had a couple of competition films, some good ones, some decent ones, some sales activities. So lots to talk about. What do you make of the first 48 hours and change of, of Cannes? I'm excited because it turns out that maybe the movies themselves are what's important. And just because the big names didn't come doesn't mean there aren't some discoveries to be made along the way. And again, I've, I, I'm enjoying the movies that I'm seeing. Yeah, it was, it was interesting because there was so much leading up to this festival about, I mean, it's an easy target and they're damned if they do and they're damned if they don't. And if the festival has a bad year, it has a bad year. But it was interesting to hear people talk about, you know, oh, the Netflix thing is such a terrible situation. And then, oh, there aren't enough big filmmakers here. But you know what? The festival opened with a competition film, uh, Oscar Farhadi's film, uh, Everybody Knows, and it sold by the next morning. So that felt like a pretty good start to Cannes to me. You know, the this was a this was a strong film. Some people didn't love it, but it but it was certainly you know one of the great filmmakers working today, doing what he does well with two big stars, Javier Bardem and Penelope Cruz. It helps to be reminded that that Oscar Farhadi has won foreign language Oscar twice, which is sort of amazing. He worked in France already with the past, and this time he immersed himself in Spanish culture, lived there for two years, developed the screenplay with very close collaboration from these two major movie stars who supply a lot of needed glamour for the opening night. That's why they picked that movie. And um, sometimes the opening night movie is picked for that reason and it's not that good. But oh, this movie a lot of times. is solid. <laughs> it's very it's solid. It's really good. It's and emotional and a little bit melodramatic, very Spanish. And um, Focus Features picked it up, and they're bringing it back to the States, and they're looking forward to appealing to an Hispanic audience. And, and they, even as you and noted... they had uh, the Spain rights already. Yeah, they, they already they had it. that. And, yeah. and I think it's, it's, it makes a lot of sense, because at Cannes, the film did fine around the world. I think it'll play really well, because those actors are so charismatic, right. but also... You, you kind of check a lot of boxes. That far, there are the Farhadi films who have been with him since the separation. And I think what we've seen as he's continued to make films is that there, he has a certain kind of storytelling approach that's very meticulous with little clues about people's histories together revealed over time. And this is the first time you've seen it put into a more commercial context, not just with the stars, but also with the genre element. It's a kidnapping story. Right. And so, well, in some ways, um, the actors pull that off by being very uh, genuine and emotional. And you do get this real sprawling family community, but they're secrets. Things are revealed under pressure and the whole thing plays out slightly predictably oh, sure. but 
Finally, the actors pull it off, and Farhadi is a, a meticulous, detailed, observant director, and he was able to make it work. Um, there's some great shots in this movie. He's a good director. Yeah, he's a good director, and, and this is a very director-focused festival. So again, good choice for opening night. And then the other thing that I think was notable there was... You know, there was this all this insidery conversation about the screening schedule change, yeah. and you know how that was going to affect word of mouth at the festival. And usually, it's the the press screenings comes first, the critics react, and then the red carpet is impacted by that. I actually think in this case, you saw a good reason why this scheduling change could be helpful because there is one big twist that I won't reveal in the Farhadi film where some people laughed. And I was thinking as I was watching the film, if the first word out on this film is that there was some dramatic moment that people were laughing at that could totally overshadow the conversation about this movie at this festival and it's the opening night film so i don't know i'm, I'm actually still it's curious about for it me. it's working for me what's happening basically is we're all seeing these movies at night instead yeah. of getting up at the crack of dawn and maybe Which, we're getting a little more thing. sleep yeah <laughs> i'm not complaining and yeah. i also on opening night i got a kick out of watching the whole ceremony but i didn't have to get into i found it time. a little annoying but okay you know, sweet french it's <laughs> true there there it is but um so anyway the other thing that was interesting about the the sale of uh everybody knows is that the it looks like they use netflix as a kind of stocking horse to get the price up well, that can't be the first time. It's just the first time that maybe we're seeing it happen at, on, at a higher level. I mean, it, it, no, I'm sure it happens all the time. It's a, it, it can be effective. So beyond uh, the opening night, um, you, the, the other movie that I got to see that I really enjoyed was the opening night of Cannes Classics, which is Mark Cousins' movie, The Eyes of Orson Welles. You I really want to see that. You may remember that the other Orson Welles movies are not here, the other side of the wind, the completed version, which was supposed to play here from Netflix, and the Morgan Neville doc, which also was supposed Netflix. to be here. So those two aren't here. And... Um, and so the, this one is this very intimate letter. Uh, this is a an Irish filmmaker who lives in Scotland, who's um, v- very knowledgeable, very erudite, a real film historian. But he's but he he's, he crafts this letter to Orson Welles, which he reads himself. And it's in in over the course of this movie, he's going through all this artwork that he has found from his daughter Beatrice and he's looking at his drawings and his expressiveness and his visual palette and draw and going to visit locations around the, the world that he lived and where he grew up and the art museum in Chicago. So you have to be a bit of a Wells obsessive to be into this. Uh, and since I am <laughs> I really got a kick out well, of it. Well, as you know, I, I did name my cat Orson for a reason, so I, I will need to, to devour this as I do many other things related to this guy. And um, the Can Classic section actually looks really cool. There's a couple Bergman docs there. There's a, you know, a restored film by the late, great Pierre Rissin that I think will be a very important screening this year in particular since he passed away just a couple of days ago. So there's a lot of interesting stuff there. And then there's the director's Fortnite section, which opened with Ciro Guerra's new film uh, Birds of Passage which I thought was quite strong not quite on the level of Embrace of the Serpent in terms of the kind of cinematic intensity of it but it's a really neat film about kind of the origins of the Colombian drug war in a very rural part of the country and and some sort of the way in which these indigenous tribes were dealing marijuana to uh hippies in the peace corps and and how that kind of spiraled out of control and it's it's very it's very 
very interesting because it's a slow build film, but it but it has real kind of genre elements to it. It's a crime film. Why do you so. think they didn't put this into the competition? Kenny Turan loved the movie, said it was the best thing he's seen here, mm. and was wondering why it wasn't in competition. Well, this is always a question here. Why is this in competition? Why is that, that not in competition? A lot of inside baseball going on there. One thing you have to think about is it goes both ways, right? A can competition slot could be worth something. A can on certain regard slot could be worth something. So he's an, moving up from director's fortnight, but, but he's but, not. But, but an opening night slot at director's fortnight gives you a lot of value too. you're the first thing at that part of the festival to screen um you know this year in particular because not a lot of people are going to the morning screenings a lot of press went to the first press screening of that film uh so it elevates it in certain ways that it might not otherwise and not everybody loved the film it, it is a, a i wouldn't say challenging film but it but it is slower and 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 doesn't have stars and so it does need something kind of special to make it stand out as everything it can really does his filmmaking and i look forward to to seeing that one the other one where we were having a conversation about why was it in competition is yomadine uh from this egyptian rookie first time feature filmmaker ab shockey who um was a consultant on alex gibney and lawrence wright's the looming tower and uh he studied in new york yeah, yeah. I mean, this guy has a lot of ties to the American film world and has made a lot of shorts, some of which have played at New York Film Festival and elsewhere. So um, he, this is a very accomplished, uh, extraordinarily uh, astute, uh, gritty um, road movie, and it features a non-pro who is, in fact, a leper. And he's cured, but he's got the scars, that will never go away. So he's 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 a he's an outsider. He's an outcast. He lives in a leper colony, but he goes on the road to to find his family. It has a a kind of lion feel to it. Yeah, um, I like the film. I th- I think it is interesting to see it in competition, less because it's a first film, and and more because it is. A, a very familiar kind of you know patterned on Italian neo neo realism, very sweet story about this character who's been marginalized, kind of coming to terms with you know his own sense of empowerment, and the performance is amazing. Yes. I was reading the notes about it, so so Shaki actually made a documentary, a short documentary called "The Colony" about a leper colony, and and cast, and that was how he came the came up with the idea for the film and cast. You know, looking at different lepers, and and the the actor in the film took acting classes. So the it's a really good performance because it really is a performance. It's not one of those things where he just sort of pointed the camera at somebody who'd never acted before and hoped he caught something authentic. Well, a lot of emotions, and he's he's charismatic. He has he has real presence. You fall for him right away at the beginning of the movie, and 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 I was amazed at how moved I was. Um, I'm an easy cry. I admit this, but I was I was crying. A lot it's a, it's a, a sentimental a film. I, I don't know I, well, wh- why I use the word sentimental well because i'm I, because I, you, it makes you, i'm using air quotes I, i'm okay. using air quotes okay. because in a, in a very I don't in a very wrong with that. a very a very traditional way not that there's anything wrong with that per se but i but i do think i mean there's another film here called rafiki which is in a certain regard which i saw uh, before the festival and it's a you know Ken, kenyan lesbian story about 
two young women who fall in love in a small community that is very religious and, and, and repressive. And it's one of those tales of sort of impossible love. It's Romeo and Juliet to some degree, but also very specifically about, you know, uh, two gay characters kind of dealing with the repression of their time. And it, again, there's, there's a certain patterned quality to the storytelling that is emotionally resonant, but also you, you kind of anticipate a lot of the story beats as they come along. And that to me is, it's sort of what people mean when they say sentimental is that it's not necessarily breaking new ground in terms of its storytelling but in the case of the Kenyan film it's the first film from Kenya from Ken it was banned in Kenya because it's subject matter in the case of Yomadine the fact that it is about the experiences of a leper elevates it and so I think that's what's kind of interesting to look at is why are these films at Cannes to some degree it's because even if they are using very uh, formulaic storytelling devices there is something that sort of distinguishes them from the pack anyway and it's important to ask those kinds of questions because ultimately there aren't that many films here and so every movie has to kind of prove its worth they don't always succeed. It's very early, and we haven't seen a lot yet. But I, I think it will be kind of exciting in the next few days to continue to ask these questions. I mean, so the other movie that showed uh, was Wildlife, which was at Sundance, opening Critics so Week. Paul Dano was there last night at the um, after party, and uh, and admitted that his his partner. Uh, Zoe Kazan looked at his first draft of the script and overhauled it ruthlessly, which is, and I said, that's what partners are for. So, so she's got a co-writing credit um, on this. And of course, uh, Carrie Mulligan was there and she's, she's really good in this movie. Um, I'm curious to see, IFC is releasing it and I'm curious to see if it has the legs um, that would be required for that performance to reach a, an award conversation. Well, it certainly seems like that is the plan, is to campaign for Carrie Mulligan here. And and it's a small film that does seem to a large degree based around her performance as this incredibly Absolutely. complex woman. Somebody who's also very well liked, has a lot of amazing performances in the bag that come up year after year after year. And it's early for this conversation, but it's not like we see a lot of other potential... At the moment? No, she's got the field, but it's a question of how crowded that field becomes. Right, and and the fall looks like it's going to be very crowded, just given the fact that you know a lot of stuff wasn't ready or didn't decided not to go to Cannes. So we will still be sort of... that. This will be a cliffhanger at the end of the festival that will probably last through the summer and beyond. getting the field feeling that, that um, I mean, Carrie Mulligan is one, one case of, of an absolutely awards-worthy performance, but um, I'm, I'm not getting the sense that this uh, fest, that was launched at Sundance, finally, and this helps to push it along, but I'm not getting the sense that there's going to be a lot of oscar stuff here, except for maybe some foreign language submissions. So suppose Egypt, Egypt puts in Yomadine, suppose Spain puts in Everybody Knows. I mean, that, these are the things that could happen. Yeah, Everybody Knows seems like one that could definitely have that going for it. And then Cold War, which we haven't seen at the moment that we're recording, but that, that'll have Amazon muscle behind it and seems like a likely contender and submission from Poland. So those are the sort of things that I think will be kind of fascinating to watch. And also, whether the multitude of American buyers move on other films here. I mean, they are all here. You mentioned IFC. Focus already bought a film, and they have Black Klansmen here. There's Annapurna. There's A24. And while Sundance wasn't a big buyer's market, and it's not like Cannes is begging for it, there are available films here. And if a foreign film really, really stands out from the pack, somebody's going to swarm in. Obviously, Sony Classics, which often has films in competition here, 
is looking. And everybody's going to market screenings and so on and so forth. So I think it'll be interesting to see if the foreign language films do seem like, if anybody if decides to push them. Yeah, exactly. Okay. It's an open question. So we'll see. And uh, the other thing that, to keep in mind is that the buzz out of Cannes is sort of, it's staggered this year. There's a lot of stuff screening late in the festival. So it's not like by Monday we'll have the full sense of the narrative, which is why it's a really good thing that you and I are going to sit down still here yeah. next Thursday. So a if you're at Cannes, today. please come to the American Pavilion at 11 a.m. We'll be doing a live recording where you can ask questions or heckle us or sort of you know throw things if you feel so inclined but uh we should uh have a lot more to talk about by then and um and it should be gonna fun be a, there's gonna be an anniversary party for the Am- american pavilion which by the way uh julie sisk and i dreamed up one night in a, a hotel suite at the carlton 30 some years ago Wow, so if everything goes terribly awry, it's all of your fault, basically. <laughs> She's the one who uh, made it real, but uh, she, she, it's, it's amazing what she did with that thing. That should be fun, because a lot of the parties at Cannes actually kind of blur together to some degree. I mean, they, they're all kind of spaced out along the beach, and they're really hard to get into. At least the American Pavilion seems it's like... It's ours. It's ours. Yeah, scene. you can, you but can I remember, I mean, that's But I remember, I remember when we all piled in there to watch the uh, finale of the first Twin Peaks, you know, that kind of thing was what went on there they would have live feeds of incredibly important basketball games for the americans or uh, yeah. i remember spike lee being in there one year we got to drag him back this time exactly <laughs> you're probably the only journalist i know I that, think that could was actually it. Do. spike wanted to see basketball and they set it up for i him. was gonna say it's like how many what it was. how many can journalists want to watch a basketball game <laughs> it was spike lee <laughs> <laughs> well i don't know what the big event is going on back home but i'm sure we'll figure out something to turn on in uh, any case i I know you got something to run off to, so until next week. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.